week sees us return home to take on ladder leaders Frio in a match that will shape our finals aspirations. Join Nikki, Waffle and Phoenix as we chat about this week's match, review the disappointing loss to the Giants and continue with a board favourite board talk segment. Adelaide stitched up Eddie, Mick stitched up Triggy, but we're going to stitch up the next 60 minutes of your life. This is Crowcast. Okay, good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of Crowcast, uh, shaping up to be a fairly uh, big podcast this week with lots going on uh, in the AFL and some of it uh, indirectly related to us. So without further ado, I'll introduce our panel tonight. It's um, Waffle, how are you doing mate? Yeah, not bad Phoenix. You sound a bit, bit over it mate, what's up? Uh, shit house day, teething child, a load of joy. Ah, yes. Joys of life. That's and, what happens when you have kids. And the uh, first lady of podcasting in AFL. <laughs> I don't know. What, <laughs> Are we sure? What title do you want? I don't want that one. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine not having that one. I'm just, I'm just a member like you guys. And we're introducing a um, a Nikki version of Carazaro tonight, aren't we too, Nikki? We are a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you introduce it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome, Nikki. Hello. I gather you've got your manila folder well and truly stocked with news. So without further ado, let's get on with it. start with um this is a little something i that we um i mentioned in the little discussion during the week and you guys agreed that you know it could be a, a good idea and it actually came out of the drew petrie stuff from last week so what i thought we'd introduce every week is a numb nut of the week award for somebody who's done something particularly stupid and then everything happened today regarding um carlton so i'm not sure who's the biggest numb nut of the week um so I think there's a few options, but yes. So Mick Malthouse this morning decided that he wanted to be sacked today and he went about it in a um, very direct fashion and he got his way is basically what happened. Um, your thoughts, guys, on, on what happened this morning? Oh, he just forced the issue, didn't he? Oh, well and truly. Absolute disaster of a football club forced by the clowns on the board and Mr Mick Grandpa Malthouse. I think he kind of preempted it last week um, in that he did that whole little spiel about how he won't walk. He's not going to walk. He doesn't do that, um, which was a bit of a dare, um, I think. And then there was that absolutely pathetic performance that uh, the team put up on Friday night, which was made us look really good. I um, thought you were talking about Triggy's uh, pre-match interview. That was pretty pathetic. I actually never heard that one because I was watching the, the Fox car um, coverage. So I heard about it. Um, yeah, there, there was – I think the Malthouse hasn't been on the same page as the rest of the club for a while. Um, it's become quite apparent. Uh, there was talk that um, they were going to sack him on Saturday. The board did meet and discussed it, um, but they then pulled back. And they made that decision um, sort of like that Saturday, Sunday, that they would hold it over till the bye. 
They met with Malt's house and told him on Monday, um, asked him if he was on the same page apparently. He said yes and then the next morning he decided I don't want to coach for another two weeks and he decided to lob a few grenades here, there and everywhere and particularly he wanted to put Trig in it. And so he's pulled us into the whole little mess. Um, but I did like the fact that Eddie Betts's manager immediately tweeted um, that it was 100% incorrect regarding what he said. Well, he's not going to say any different because otherwise he'll get his um, accreditation pulled. Um, well, that that's true, you know. but he was he was very quick off the mark. Um, some other agents um, have skirted around it, and they've had their little wrist tapped a little bit, um, or not at all. In case of some of them, but we know this kind of things happen. But if you actually figure it out, what Trig, um, what Malthouse said, Trig said, it was the eighteen months prior to Eddie leaving. So that was in the middle of twenty twelve. Um, we know that the AFL took all of our computers and did an audit of all of our emails at that time. So if we had signed him and there was conversations going back and forth regarding it, you think the AFL might have found it back then. Yeah, look, even if Triggy said exactly those words, that we had him stitched up in the middle of 2012, that's still an ambiguous statement. That doesn't mean he's signed a contract. That means that we were comfortable back in the middle of 2012 that at the end of his contract he was going to sign with us. Malthouse worded it that stitched up and then and continued on and then he said signed. So he actually used the word signed as well. So I don't think Malthouse was, um, yeah, I think he was a bit confused about what actually happened, but I, I think it was mostly he just wanted to anger Trigg so much that they had to sack him. Um, as soon as I heard what had been said, and I think most people in the media, everybody knew he was going to get sacked today. There was no way a club could allow that to happen. Yes, but bringing us into this whole debacle that is Carlton by Trigg is just so wrong on many levels when... Other clubs, I believe, have done worse than what we've done. And I don't believe we signed him 18 months beforehand. Like you said, Nicky, it would have been in the audit and the AFL would have made it a living hell for us. And the club wouldn't have been so worried about the North Melbourne offer that was coming in at the last minute, which we we pretty much understand that they they were very concerned that they um, Eddie might go in that direction at the last minute. So if we'd signed him, we wouldn't have been worried. Look, Mick was coming to the end. He didn't really care who he threw under the bus. He just wanted to make sure that he got his termination payment. And I think he was sick of coaching, sick of coaching that rabble. And uh, he thought, well, I don't want to do it for another two weeks, so I want to uh, get them to push me out. So, I mean, mission accomplished. He, I also think that the way he went about it was that he controlled the media and on AFL 360, they actually talked about Malthouse for once actually winning the PR war for a while because he had the Melbourne media fully on his side and it was all about Trigg and it was all about us and it was all about Eddie and I'm quite disgusted with what Malthouse said because it really has a go about Eddie and his honour um, in a way and he can't really bite back or um, anything to do with Malthouse. He just kind of has to, to get on, you know, and to get on with it because a, a player's not going to do that. But I kind of felt a little offended on Eddie's behalf. Oh, look, Mick, Mick wouldn't give a rat's ass. He's had a gutful. 
and he just wanted out, and I don't think he really gave a shit, to be honest. Oh, no, I, I think he wanted to win the PR war for a little bit. He wanted to get on the sympathy on side with him so that he wasn't the big bad, it wasn't his failings. And the other thing that very much had interest me a lot in leading into this was that most of the media discussion about Carlton was always about how they'd lost uh, Betts and Garlett, who were outscoring Carlton. And everybody would come back to the fact that Eddie was apparently willing to stay if Carlton would offer him the money that, you know, he would like. But Malthouse wanted Thomas. And Thomas is on an awful lot of money. They couldn't fit Eddie in along with a lot of other very highly paid players who probably shouldn't be at Carlton. Um, So I think that was partly Malthouse's sort of thinking. It's deflecting away from that whole thing of he stuffed up because it was him that pushed for Thomas and it was him that said Eddie's not any good. Look, I think Malthouse's time at Carlton has been a disaster. I think he was the wrong man for the job. I think he read the the list wrong. As you say, he he preferred Thomas over over Betts and looks look how that's turned out. He's made a couple of other interesting uh, list um, related decisions. His coaching's been average at best. Um, you know, the the guy should have. I mean, does it does it basically say that Eddie Maguire was right in having a succession plan in place at Collingwood? Could he see the writing on the wall with Malthouse? I think it really does appear that way. Um, that yeah, it was. I agree with you that he's most definitely past his prime, and it was very much showing. And. I think that Carlton has actually made some steps forward, um, particularly over the off-season in getting Silvani in because their list management has just been atrocious. And we know how well Silvani has done with building the GWS list um, because I think we talked about that a, a couple of weeks ago, comparing GWS to Gold Coast and the way that GWS went about it. And, and they're... You know, the way they're performing now is really to do with that that really good list management. Um, so my Num Nut of the Week award, I was kind of, it was definitely Carlton for that. But I also think it is a little bit the Melbourne media um, because the way they just kind of jumped on it and ran with it, not actually kind of taking that step back and going, are we actually going to do some proper journalism here or are we just going to run with the sensationalism? Um, the other one we can throw in is or a, a particular Adelaide journalist, but we kind of expected that kind of trash from him, I thought. So left nut is Malthouse, right nut is Melbourne Media. Is that how it works out? They're both equally numb nuts. How's that ball drop, Waffle? Yeah, both numb nuts. Mainly that I'm just angry with Trig and Moldhouse both dropping us in the poo. That's just low. I know what you're saying, Phoenix, but we've got nothing to do with your debacle and your club being in tatters, that's your own issue. But like you said, he'll, he'll throw anyone under the bus. And I really liked um, Fagan's response and the club's response. They they obviously, they took their time, they got their information, they made everything, um, um, basically crossed their T's and dotted their I's and then came out. Deleted with... the emails. 
<laughs> you can't now delete we've got a emails. Now. <laughs> yeah, we've got a shredder. We've moved up in the world. Um, <laughs> no, we borrowed it off of Essendon because um, their shredder apparently is quite magic. Um, yeah, I, I quite liked that statement. You know, we basically said we categorically deny this, you know, did not happen. And um, and there was a little bit of a veiled swipe at the end about the incorrect reporting that went on, um, just basically letting a few media know that we know what you've done. You didn't bother to get the information. Yeah, we, we're just going to keep a, I think that there's a, a little black mark against a few names um, that went on regarding that. So what else has been going on, Nikki, in the world of AFL? Well, I think Port Adelaide would be really happy um, that this has all happened because I kind of thought that most of the discussion this week was going to be around their loss to Richmond and how, you know, the fans leaving and that Hinkley doesn't appear to have um, – another game plan as somebody actually said he was very Neil Craig like and it's like yep he's got plan A and that's it and he's sticking to it and he's not going to change it um that's to me what the the I think the big discussion this week was going to be until Carlton decided to implode um what are you guys thoughts on where our uh the little sibling down the road's going yep I think they've only got uh, the one game plan. Let's get the ball forward, boys, and if it, and get it into Schultz's hands if possible. And if it goes through the big sticks, that's all well and good. But if it doesn't, shit, what do we do now? Yeah, I, look, I just I mean, the only thing that proves to me is that Ken wasn't a messiah. He's a good coach. They're a good team. They're a couple short. They're a bit down on confidence. You know, I mean, and now on, Tre- really, and now Trengo's got ligament damage. Um, in that ankle, and that's not good. Um, so every time they start a losing streak, it's when he's missing. So I think there's there's unfortunately a whole lot of pain coming their way. The other thing that's been kind of swept aside by the whole Malthouse um, debacle is the um, the Giants, um, you know. Um, rising into prominence and into contention basically um i mean there's been there was a bit of early talk about it but then you know obviously it's been swept aside today um but that really should be a talking point i think and someone on the boards made an excellent post just listing all the all the first round draft picks they had it's just it makes you weep yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can do the Geelong model of keeping that group together because there's a lot of clubs we know that are circling a lot of those younger players who are coming out of contract and are very interested and they will pay them more money elsewhere. Um, so it'll be it, I'm, I'm going to watch that with interest to see if they can keep that, that core group together because they've got some really great young players. And as I said before, Silvani did a really great job of mixing in some experience with some youth all across the ground um, so that they, they don't appear to have too much of a, you know, that they don't have a fault on every line so much. Um, the one thing I will say, though, out of our game, that Mumford gets a very, very, very good ride from the umpires because he does a lot of things he shouldn't be getting away with. Um, what do we have to do to get Dylan Shield? That lad is an out and out star. 
Uh, he's the one who's going out with Choco's daughter, isn't he? He can come to Adelaide. Or where's – yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. He started dating Choco's daughter whilst Coco, um, Choco was the um, coach up there. So that was a very brave move on, on the lad's part. Pretty gutsy. Anything else going on in the AFL world, Nick? Uh, there's a little bit about the um, two Collingwood players. They, they did say that it was Clembertol. Um, and the B test has come back positive, but we still haven't heard anything more regarding that. Um, the other thing is that WADA asked for an extension to cons- um, about their case um, before they have to present it to CAS, and CAS has granted that. So I think I think it's a, what is it, an extra twenty five days or something? Um, yeah. They've got. So that's still a little way away. We still don't know all of the judges that hasn't been sorted quite as yet. So, yeah, those things are kind of happening in the background. We know that they've met regarding um, ah, from Frio. Um, Crowley. Crowley. I kept thinking thinking Frawley and I'm going, it's not him. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but we still don't know a decision regarding that. So we'll wait and see. But yeah, I think he'll he'll get some penalty. But yeah, who knows what? That that's a, a guess at the best. And the uh, injury count now. Have we heard? I've I've been quite busy. Have we heard anything about Laird and Carriage? The extent of their injuries. I heard Laird might have been a little bit worse than expected. Um, I do have some mail that it may be, but I'm waiting for some more confirmation and something from the club and all the club has said at the moment that they're going through the normal, um, concussion protocols. So, uh, that's a wait and see Laird maybe, um, I think he's very keen to play. And I think, um, from what I understand, he believes that he would be right to play, but, um, we'll see what goes on with that. And nothing on carriage yet? No, I haven't heard anything um, about that. But, yes, the, the Malthouse thing took up most of the day. Yeah. As well as actually having to do some work. Carriage's uh, injury didn't look good at all. No, it didn't. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's ligament damage in that ankle and, and that's a decent decent um, out on the sidelines. So basically, we can't take a break. We seem to be getting a lot of them. No pun intended. No, not at all. <laughs> well, I guess we should um, have a chat um, about the, the Giants game. So uh, if there's no other news of note, let's move on to a review of last week's semi-disaster. Well, the weird thing is we actually only lost by 24 points. Um... A lot of us, we we kind of umdenard, but we thought if we played well, we could possibly beat them or we'd be up and about. But if we didn't play well, then, yeah, we were going to get beaten and we didn't play well for quite a few patches. And, yeah, we got beaten. I think I chose the margin. Losing margin is uh, our winning margin as being 21 points. Um, I'm really... Our slow starts are really becoming tiring. We need to be switched on from the first bounce. And that's a bit of a layover from last year. Oh, and years gone by. It's been a it's been a problem for quite some time at our club. Yeah, so 
you, you would think and you would hope that, that they've been monitoring everything that's happening and, you know, um, to, to try and get us back in um, and things like and trying to figure out why and what's happening. But the fact that it's overall, it's, it's really um, odd. But Hawthorne seemed to have the same issue as well this year, so we're not the only ones. Um, yeah, but they've got a couple of flags in the bank. I mean, yeah, they do. I, I heard that we were talking about changing our pre-game routine. It's like, well, if you haven't got that bedded in by now, it's something wrong. Um, you know, it... Whenever a team continually starts slowly, I always have to question the hunger, which is really disappointing considering where we're at. Yeah, because for passages there, we were still playing quite well and we managed to get back into it. Um, we still had some, um, I thought, some some decent contributions going on. I mean, Eddie and Tex would go quiet for little bits, but the ball wasn't getting down to them, so they, they can't um, do too much there. But, you know, the when you've got three goals and four goals, you're still not going to sneeze at that from two of your main key forwards. Yes, I um, had a four-year-old's birthday, so I had to keep the language in check, but uh, had the younger brother yelling out at the TV, come on, pressure. I'm like, uh, well, I said, well, we can... Tex may have turned the corner injury-wise, but Eddie, we always expect this performance now because it's the main. Yeah, he set a standard, and if he doesn't live to it, we're disappointed. I mean, I think it pretty much played out the way we all feared it might. We we got beaten in the middle um, and around stoppages, and we weren't good enough coming out of our back half. It's really and, what it boiled down to. And honestly, I was not impressed with Kerridge, and you guys know that I didn't think he should come in after the performance I saw in the SNFL, and I was quite... I felt um, quite justified in that opinion just watching um, him play at that level, he wasn't there. It's not the carriage that we've seen previously that we know he can do. I think he's still got a bit more work to do. Um, it's very unfortunate that he's got injured. Um, I do know there was discussion that people were wanting Wright, the one to be subbed off. But for me, um, I actually wanted carriage subbed off. I thought he was a bit of a liability in the midfield. Yeah, I'd be interested to know exactly what role he was assigned to um, because he seemed a little bit at sea with regards to, to what he was supposed to be doing, um, which is unusual for him. He's usually fairly decisive. Yeah, but there, there was there was something like that at that SANFL game against Port. And, you know, he did some nice stuff and everything else, but there was other moments I just went, yep, you you know, you don't want to chase, you're not doing the pressure acts that we know that he um, can do. So, yeah, I was a bit disappointed in that. He seemed his head was in the clouds. He seemed like that uh, the main character out of the movie, the old 70s movie, The Club. He's just seeing birds fly past while he's playing. Ah, he'd um, enjoyed himself just a little bit beforehand, had he? I don't think he was enjoying himself at all beforehand or afterwards. No, the fact that we end up with three on the bench wasn't um, injured wasn't good. No, but the game was lost by then. And one one thing that made me tear what little hair I have out was the amount of times that Mumford would win the tap and put it in the you know position A, which is you know forward and to the left, which is where Mumford puts it seventy five percent of the time, and 
we didn't seem prepared to cover that hole. They would they would clear a space and then they'd have someone running through to take that tap every time. And it, it just blows my mind sometimes how static our midfield is and how unreactive our midfield is to the state of play. You know, there was a point where we needed to be defensive um, in the middle and we just didn't seem capable of doing it. No. Um, that... That kind of disappointed me quite a bit as well, noticing that. I I was also focused on a lot of the holds that Mumford was doing on Jacobs. Um, I, I really think the umpires need to have a close look at Mumford and what he does because I do think it is pretty much illegal um, that allows him to get that um, that ability to do the tap. So that was Not driving me a bit nuts. Not in the centre no, square, No, around the ground. Yeah, it's the centre square oh, that I was talking about. I mean, oh, we just we just weren't covering. Well, there was a couple of times where the ball went outside the circle and it wasn't called back. No, not um, at all. But as I said, that, that attacking hole that um, the Giants were able to leave where Mumford puts it down just about every time, I just don't understand why our midfield group at some point or our coaching staff at some point didn't see the writing on the wall with Jacobs losing the centre square contests and for us to line up a little bit more defensively. Yep, agree. Yeah, you'd think someone in the coach's box would have flicked the switch or someone on, on field even, like, this isn't working. Uh, we should be trying something different here. Yeah. Never been a fan of camp, really. We won't go into that. I, I know Phillies, but... I've never been a fan. But anyway. Shall we move on? Well, what, yeah, I mean, what's the upshot? Do we just accept that GWS were the better team and we were a bit injury hit or are there deeper issues to worry about? I, I think we've touched on that there are some deeper issues. Phil was very aware of those and I think a bit honest um, in the aftermatch. You're going, yep. This is where they beat us. Um, we didn't have an answer for that. We're going to go back and, you know, have a look at it and things like that. So I'm the fact is we're still in the eight. Uh, we're still playing patches of good football. We can see that there's, you know, some things happening there. The other positive for me out of this, which sometimes you, you, you've got to have a look at those, is that I think um, Greg Lyons and Crouch, we're, we're seeing a bit from them. Um, there's still some really nice passes that were um, coming from, particularly from Grig and um, Lions. So, you know, at least they're getting an extended run in the AFL. So Phil's going to know and the list managers are, are going to know where they're at and whether they're going to fit into our future plans. Yeah, agree 100%. I agree there. Well, let's move on and put that one behind us, eh? Yeah, and see what's coming up next. Yeah. All right, well, obviously we've got uh, another big game coming up this weekend. They never seem to end, and this week we're hosting Frio, um, who were obviously um, doing reasonably well this year, sitting unbeaten at the top of the ladder. And uh, returning to a Crowcast tradition, we've got an opposition supporter with us today. 
Um, Seppo, how are you going, mate? I am going fantastic and uh, glad to be on your podcast. Glad to have you here. Um, so basically I kind of thought after the first two games of the year, I was really looking forward to this game against Frio um, because I thought this this is going to be the test of where we're really going to see where we're at um, as a club. But I'd have to say, Seppo, you've probably been quite um, pleasingly surprised with how well Frio started the year. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't expect us to be sitting at 8-0. I know we've had a fairly tough start. I thought our first four games was quite tough before we had some easier ones. But the fact that we're here is, I reckon, all down to a bit of good luck. There's so much luck involved in footy, and you can only just look at our injury list compared to yours just to see the uh, the difference of the ladder positions are really we're telling at the moment of where we're sitting and where you guys are sitting because I certainly rated Adelaide as a, a good side this year but unfortunately probably your ladder position is half to do with just looking at your injury list. The other thing I've always I've kind of wondered a little bit and I've seen some other people raise it as well is that with Crowley being out, that's actually freed up your midfield to have another runner in there. And had, do you reckon that's um, been part of the, you know, the the way that um, Lions has had to to restructure a little bit, and it's actually benefited you? Yeah, definitely. The forced uh, change in our midfield setup is we've only really had one tagger this year for one game, and it's when Clancy Pierce took on Boke in round one. And other than that, I haven't really even recognised a tag. It's not like Crowley's come out and we've replaced it with someone. We've just removed that hard tag role altogether, so to speak. And we just back our midfielders to win the ball every time. When you've got Sandilands feeding it down to Mundy, Fife and Hill and some of the others when they roll through there, it's, um, yeah, it's just working out better, really. And I think we're scoring a bit more and conceding roughly the same last year. So we haven't really sacrificed one to increase the other it's just panned out that way the one thing after, i think you go ahead waffle after the start of the year with all the uh, news about colin sylvia and his non-work ethic and all that sort of gear and i don't think it was ever going to affect you regardless because you're a class act like you've got your mondays your barlows locky locky neil's just a standout it's like how do you stop frio Mm. It's certainly been performing well and it's not like the guys that have been sort of in trouble with Crowley and Sylvia and other guys that have you know, had long-term injuries aren't really affecting our best 22 and it, it just goes a long way. As you said, we um, back quite deep when you talk about the guys like um, Mundy, Neil, Barlow. Even Barlow's not really attending the centre squares anymore. He's been pushed out to that half-forward and, and almost wing-type role and he's still doing well. So it's, um, yeah, good to see and it, it's... Yeah, I just hope it lasts um, right the way through the season because you don't win premierships in May and, and April, but we've got to keep on rolling on with our good luck and fortune we've had so far. See, the, the one thing that concerns me is our slow starts and you guys will be getting off to fast starts, but conversely, you seem to you get off your fast start, but then you just hold it and you go into a holding pattern and teams have been coming, pegging you back slowly, but you um, have you know gradually just been hanging on for, for some of those games and I, I think there's been a few that have been a little bit close um, but you know good teams still manage to win I think that that's going to be a bit interesting for me to watch on the, the weekend because yeah as, as low starts have been uh, basically 
Yeah, how has um, Adelaide gone with first quarters? Because I think Freo's only lost one of our eight first games in terms of first quarters. We always come out with a fast start, and then we usually just play tempo footy right the way through. And if a side does challenge us, like I know Sydney, Essendon, Western Bulldogs will probably come hard at us in the second half. But all those games we've managed to win because we've just got good leaders on the field in that last quarter and, and back them in to get the job done when it's tight and the other side certainly pushes I think we've won uh, th- three out of eight. Mm. So you're not renowned for a fast start? Nope. No. Although we've kind of given them a bit of a go. They get a couple of goals and then we peg them back so it's kind of like even at quarter time. And then from then on, um, when we've um, the games that we've won, we've just kind of gone on with it from there. Um but, yeah, last week wasn't good. Um, I think Walshy was quite strong about it in highlighting, so it's going to be interesting to see if anything comes of that this weekend. Yeah, I suppose we yeah. used to GWS keep the first five on you, didn't they? And it was all set up the game from there. Yeah, that wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> nope. It'll be interesting to see what sort of response we give against a class side. But... I'm not bagging GWS. They played well, but a grand final contender, I'll put it that way. Yeah, so it's, look, it's looking that way for, for Frio. I'm I'm kind of going to be interested how our young defence is going to match up on your forward line and conversely how your defence is going to match up on our forward line because that, that that I think there's going to be some intriguing battles going on there. Yeah, I suppose when I, I look at the um, Crows back line you played last week, it's it's nothing like our last few years matched up when you've had, you know, Rutten and Otten and Riley and Yench and all those other guys. And, and now I'm looking at this team sheet here with guys like Lever and, and Luke Brown and, and Laird and guys that, I'm not sure if Laird's going to come up for this game, but even just looking at that, it's a far start contrast from the Adelaide Crows defence we've come up in past time. So I'd back our forward against your set of backs that's named there, but what worries me and probably have been a common thread on our Freo board is is managing to curtail the influence of uh, Betts and Walker, who are probably the best small and tall combo running around there at the moment. It's going to be the tough ask for us to make sure that you guys don't get to the points because that's only one area of the ground that I reckon that Adelaide might have it on top of us is the, the Betts and Walker combo. Just week after week, putting piling on the goals. Well, Seppo, I've got a um, liqueur cabinet that your uh, midfielder can have free access to Friday night if they'd like to, and uh, I'll pour the free (laughs) drinks but keeps them switched off. (laughs) There's no chance our guys will be switching off. (laughs) But I do like the uh, conversations you've had on your board about the crazy tactics and uh, the ways to uh, um, throw some curveballs out there or strategies and crazy ideas to get one up on us and there are some great things of you know not playing a ruckman and have extra midfielders around the ball and just shark sandy's tap so there are some crazy things that might just work for you guys this weekend i think i still like the what is it the one about somebody else on somebody else's shoulders and seeing if that was okay or not <laughs> uh, you probably need that with Sandlands the way he's going. I think there's a lot of ruckmen that have been considered, you know, all Australian and best career of their lives, and then they come up against Sandlands. And then even just Goldstein last week, he um, came up against a combination of Clark and Sandlands, and I suppose he didn't really have much help. So I don't know if you've got both Jacobs and is it Jenkins or Lynch? Who yeah, helps Jenkins. Out? Yeah, mm, Jenkins yeah, is so. the, the second chop out. Um, he's he's actually 
<laughs> Phoenix is going to hate this because he hates Jenkins. Um, he's... Not a fan. <laughs> no, not a fan at all. I don't mind him when he doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Um, he's... Well, he gets a hard possession, which is a rarity. <laughs> he does it every so often. Um, but he's kind of handy up forward and, and he's been Shout getting a couple morning. of goals. <laughs> not you, stop it. Um, so he's... You know, he's not the greatest ruckman that's out there, but I'm I'm going to be interested to see because whether Riley O'Brien um, and Jack Osborne might get a look in this week or, or not, um, but they didn't play SNFL on the weekend because, of course, everybody had the bye um, in the seconds. But now, what are the type of those two players? Because I've seen their names mentioned on the board a bit, but I've never seen them either two play. So can you give me a brief rundown of those two and where that slot into your side? They're both... Taller than Jacobs, and Jacobs isn't short. Um, Jack Osborne's a former basketballer, but he did play football when he was younger. He's had um, quite a few injuries, but um, he's generally a forward. But I've been, he did play a couple of um, games um, chopping out the ruck in the SNFL, which I went and watched, and his ruck work has improved greatly. Really good contested mark. Will Flight everything. Uh, Raleigh O'Brien um, played against North Melbourne in the NAB Cup. He's very like Jacobs in that that same sort of the big, um, strong, um, athletic, um, you know, so he's a buy, but he's um, all in proportion. Um, I think he is very like Jacobs, really competitive on the ground once the, the ball goes to ground. He after it um, um, quite as well. He's got an issue with his kicking because he had two shots on goal um, in the NAB Cup game and they were absolute shanks. So anywhere he gets near the forward line and he has to kick on goal, he passes it off. But his field kicking is actually um, quite good. He's definitely the informed ruckman in the SANFL. Um, he's come on well ahead of what we expected him to. We got him out of the Calder Cannons, so he's actually a teammate of Jake Levers. Um, so we do like the Calder boys. We've got a few of them. Daniel Talia. Oh, yeah, we got him too. And we had um, Riley as well, but um, he's still around the club, but, yes, he's uh, retired. So, yeah, we, so we've had a few O'Brien a Is O'Brien a, a redhead as well? So is he a source mark too? He's a little bit. He's kind of the strawberry yeah. blonde. Yeah. <laughs> we like and and those guys come into the side um, in replace of Jenkins or Lynch it'll or someone Jen- else? It'll be Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, it'll yep. be Jenkins. Those guys will be putting pressure on Jenkins um, to do that. Yeah, fair enough. Now, from a free um, side I think of things, both- so I was going to say the Frio side of things, we um, probably haven't had too many forced changes this year and We've been quite lucky with our injuries and probably any suspensions or rest for the big guys like McFarlane have really forced us to make any changes. So we've still got guys like Mzungu and Crozier sitting on the outside that a lot of people want into our, our team. And I know Pav- Pavlich had a slight knock to his um, hip, I believe, or flexor or medial or something like that that he um, yeah, got hip. subbed out with just as a um, precaution. And I think he's training o- okay at the moment. So if there's any change, it will probably be Pav being rested. Um, but other than that, I think we've got a pretty fit full side ready to go and they probably won't see too much changes if we're we're all good to go. See, the thing that concerns me is who we put on five. Mm, he's untaggable. You, you yeah. don't put people on him. <laughs> so that was my thinking. I, I, just... I'd be putting the Northern Grandstand on him. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I think that's the only thing that can beat him. By the sounds of it, we're going to get a feral crowd, so maybe 20,000 of us might, might be able to stop him, but I'm not sure. 
Mm. If anything, what you should do, I think it was uh, two years ago when we played Adelaide at Amy. Um, I think Fife uh, pulled out last minute with a, a trip on a suitcase in his hotel. So if there's any chance of you guys stopping Fife, it's not by another player on the field. It's going to be a, an inanimate object pre-game. <laughs> no, he's, okay, I'll be he's bringing great suitcases. to watch. Yep. <laughs> he can play. Oh, so essentially definitely. you guys are fit and firing, full squad, and you come out of the blocks really hard. So yeah, I suggest stuffed. we're fucked. Yep. Unless you're making really crazy changes and, and pull something out. But I, I think Betts and Walker and probably some of the other guys, Dangerfield, are probably all going to have to have a blinder. And I know every time we've played, we've had Crowley taking Dangerfield. So it's going to be an interesting prospect now in terms of what Dangerfield can do for you because – I would. I don't mean it in disrespect, but I reckon Dangerfield's one of the more easiest tagged players in the AFL. He's when he's let loose, he goes nuts, and and when he has a bit of a pressure applied to him, he sort of seems to go into his shell. So now that Crowley's not there and we're not having a tag, this could be a chance for Paddy to to go go nuts. Well, what, while she is playing him differently, um, so he's not spending, or if he is in the centre, he's got different roles, um, and he's spending a bit more time up forward as well. And, yeah, Crowley didn't like it when he went forward because Crowley had no way of playing on him then. Yeah, the trouble is we're so light on in the midfield that your rotations are just going to kill us. Yeah. Without Sloan out there, and I think Sloan's probably one of your, your best, really. I always like watching Adelaide just to see Sloan play, but unfortunately he's not out there. So you've got what... Um, Scotty Thompson and Crouch, pretty much young balls, is it? Uh, Greg and Lyons and Cam Ellis Yolman. Um, Cam was last Household week. Household names. Yeah, but um, Cam Ellis Yolman, otherwise known as Curly, um, he he'd been off with a hamstring strain. He last week he came back for his first game. He's been very good. Um, he's he's. He's a very tall, big-bodied mid as well, who looks like he's going slowly. Because um, he's got that really long stride, but he isn't. So he's uh, he's one you guys should keep an eye out for because we've been quite impressed with him. Everybody thought he was going to be delisted, and now we're like, no, no I think we're going to keep him. And he's a second year player, isn't he? I think he, his debut was against Fremantle last year, from memory. He's actually he's been on the list longer than that, um, but he came in um, after a knee injury, and he spent most of the year in the Eagles reserves. Um, for his first year, and everybody's like, "Oh God, he's crap." Um, yeah, he, yeah, he came in um, against you guys, played a quarter after it was, um, yeah, well and truly over. So we don't really count that game. No. <laughs> and playing him as a sub when it's done and dusted, well, you can't really gauge a performance on just that. I suppose that's all you would have seen. But he's come on on leaps and bounds this year. So, Seppo, if you had to um, identify a weakness in your own team, what would it be? Um, at the moment, we've got a pretty good spread. The only thing that's really been hurting us is probably our form of our small forwards. There's been plenty of games this year when Ballantyne and Walters haven't kicked many goals and we've just struggled up forward a bit and had to rely on you know Pav kicking a bag or, or Main getting up there. But recent weeks, those two have started to come back into form, so... Um, and it always seems to be that Ballantyne plays really well for home crowds, and when he goes away, he doesn't seem to bring his boots with him. So he's capable of kicking bags at home, but when he goes away, he seems to leave him there and, and has a quieter game. So I think our uh, 
you know, small forwards uh, are up for a big task. I'm not sure if they'll match up on, on Brown or Van Berlo or Laird or, or whoever's in there will, uh, McKay, will take them. But Mc, we'll be actually be we'll, playing McKay down back. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, there's a, a match so up there. I'm not sure how that will work out. <laughs> yeah. No, Brown, Brown is excellent against small forwards, but, of course, he got the knock on the weekend as well. He got quite a heavy knock, so, yeah. And we would have the for the year. Because you're looking at three, aren't you, with yeah. um, the previous weeks and two new ones? Yeah, just a few. So just to um, wrap things up, what do we reckon, guys? Frio by how much? Oh, I'm hoping Frio by not much because that means we've put up a decent fight. So anywhere around the 20-point mark I would be happy with. Frio by 12 goals. I'm going to hate City for that. I'm actually going to go conservative. I say this every week because it's our average winning margin, but I reckon 34 points. That's what we've been doing pretty much every week, getting out to about a five-goal lead and just trying to maintain it. If you guys push back, we'll push forward, and I reckon we'll be – I think we're comfortable with about a five-goal lead, so put me down for that. But I don't expect us to blow you out of the water. I know how bad your injuries are. I think we're probably still up for a challenge, and it's at your home ground. It's another big factor. We haven't played you guys at Adelaide Over. We only played Port there last year, so you do have that going for you. And it's different. a Sunday night, but, um, and we'll be wearing and our, wet, I believe, from and our Indigenous round Guernsey, which I'm really looking forward to see. Ooh, should be well, a good night. I'll be flying over from Melbourne to watch the game myself. Well, I'm enjoy. going to um, throw the cat amongst the pigeons and say that we might get up by two points. <laughs> Will my heart be Love able to take that? I'm, I'm basing <laughs> that on some considered analysis. He's and, normally not. Um, Absolutely nothing, actually. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. He's, he's well, actually... Back against the last three weeks. Yeah, he has. Have you got to my liqueur cabinet? <laughs> also, basically, Seppo, thanks so much for joining us. Um, no well, worries. <laughs> pleasure to be on there and, and listen to you guys, and I'm looking forward to this game on Saturday as well. Oh, so you're actually coming over. Yes, I'll be flying on Saturday morning to Adelaide, staying the night and coming back on Sunday. It's fantastic living in Melbourne and get to travel to all the interstate games. Well, that makes it nice and easy. Oh, you'll like it over here, mate. Nice and cold, like Melbourne. Have you been to Adelaide Oval before? I have. I, I came there last year for the Port Adelaide game, which we unfortunately lost, but it's it's good. It is great ground, probably one of the best stadiums in Australia at the moment for how it's set up and even just the walk from the city across. And uh, it's picturesque and a lot better facilities than a lot of the other stadiums that I've been to. And I've pretty much been to every major stadium in Australia now. And it's Adelaide Oval would be up there as one of the best to watch footy. Well, that just about uh, wraps up our preview of the Frio game. Uh, so I'd like to say thank you to Seppo for joining us. No worries. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. And, uh, yeah... Don't cry too much when my uh, prediction comes true, mate. <laughs> I don't know whether my heart can handle that. <laughs> he doesn't sound convinced. He sounds very diplomatic, though. Yeah, he <laughs> He's going to get off and go, Jesus, people are psycho. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, thanks for joining us. 
Thanks, Evo. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Evo. This week we've got a more unobtrusive member of the um, Adelaide Crows board with us. And it's Tree Man. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you going? All right, so we should probably start off, you know, the basic little thing of um, how you managed to find the Adelaide board. <laughs> what on earth possessed you to join an internet forum to discuss football? Uh, well... I was having a look at when I joined, it was 2005 and um, it was around the same time when the short-lived for Crows Forum as the Crows Fly was existed. Yeah. And um, I yes, think I remember that one. there wasn't much, yeah, there wasn't much activity on that one. So I joined Big Footy as well. So I think I found that through a Google search or something like that. Um, so yeah, I joined um, Big Footy is just a bit of an extra thing. And um, that sort of took over, especially when As the Crows Fly um, died. And um, so, yeah, and I've been, I've been posting ever since, um, just sort of every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll put a post in or, and have a read. But um, I, I lurch a lot. And, um, but yeah, I was having a look at my first, my very first post, and it was, um yeah just sort of talking about about that forum who's who's a member of that forum as well as my first uh actual thread or whatever i was looking as well now what was it it was um about the pre-match uh grand final entertainment so what was the pre-match grand final entertainment uh, um, i'm trying back okay yeah um, in 2005 uh i talked about dame edna Oh my goodness! Uh, Palamento. That that's that's an interesting mix. Hello. It, it, it looks like it was, and I said it was a pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dame Edna at the football. I know she's from Mooney Ponds, but yeah. Hmm. So Les Patterson, I might understand, but yeah, not Dame Edna. Mooney Ponds is it all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. So one of the other things we've kind of discussed with a a few people, because you're a professional lurker, um, is there anybody that you kind of ignore? Dislike. Yes. (laughs) I'm trying to be polite about it, but off you go then. Dislike. No, you like everybody? Who gives you the shits? Yeah, no. Nobody really. Um, I don't think I've ever had to block or ignore anybody's posts. Um, I just thought of if I, they annoy me, I just sort of go past them. But yeah, I've never actually yeah blocked or really had an argument with anybody on there. Um, yeah. So conversely, from that, who's the, who's whose posts are the ones that you, you if you see that their name's next or post that you you have to read that one? Well, Kane McGoodwin's always been the one that I've always read what he's written and I've thought, yep, you know, he's spot on or he's got a good point to make or anything like that. He's the one, I reckon. And also don't mind a bit of smoothie as well, who I would like to hear on this podcast too. Well, there we go, smoothie. Get your butt on the post on the podcast. 
Yeah, we need a bit of smoothie. I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> oh, you read it again. <laughs> First point, don't be mean to me this week. You owe me for that. Absolutely nowhere. That was your fault. No what? one brought that up. No one was thinking about it. And then you've just gone the line I comment. <laughs> nah. Sitting here Waffle, with... am I right? I'm sitting here with my... I'm safe. Waffle's just too busy being in Switzerland at the moment. <laughs> okay, so question number one. Danger and Sloane. Well, I think Sloane's definitely going to say... Um... My gut feeling with Sloane is probably that he'll stay too. Uh, with danger. two stays. Yeah. Excellent. Um, if you had a duffel coat and you could put anyone on the back of it, your mother, your girlfriend, a football player, a celebrity, Nikki, uh, who would it be? <laughs> um, they think about this question. Um, and I keep on changing my mind, but I'm just going to go for Eddie Betts because why not? Good choice. Eddie Betts. That'll, that's a good choice. That is a good choice. I think you might be the first Eddie Betts, <laughs> actually. You. I think there might be a few more copying you after that. That will be one of a kind. Yep. Okay. Um, big fella's question. Uh... I reckon Danny. Whoa. Uh, can Somebody, I have your reason, please? Somebody wants to be nice to Big Fella. Um, I've never really been a fan of Kylie, and Danny, I reckon's better looking. So this is just a, um, a an attempt to get rid of moderation on the board, isn't it? <laughs> Big Fella's not going to be on for a day now. So speaking of big fella, if you could meet one poster, who would it be and why? Um, we'll go Kane McGoodwin. Why not? Because he's insightful. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good chat. He doesn't drink though. Does he drink, Nicky? I don't drink either, so that'd be good. Yeah. I reckon. I, I reckon I've seen him talk. What does alcohol taste like? <laughs> I wouldn't know. And finally, mate, um, are the Crows going to make the eight and or the top four? Not the top four. I think I think we might squeeze into the eight as long as some of these injuries go away. But yeah, prob- probably seventh or eighth, but then we wouldn't be surprised if we slept ninth or tenth. Tree Man. Oh, okay, well, my surname is Tree, and it was a nickname in high school, so, and I joined about, <laughs> yeah, high school time, so. Yeah. You're a baby. Yeah, so I'm 29. Um, yeah, but I've been on since 2005. So, so no one ever thought to call you Twiggy. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's a million <laughs> nicknames. You were branching out, weren't you, Tree Man? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Watch out until you get rooted. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave him alone. <laughs> oh, dear. I think that's all I've got. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Never heard any of those before. 
Nah, never. Never. I'm a teacher as well, so I get more, don't you worry. All right, Tree Man, thanks very much for joining us. You've been a good supporter of no the podcast since we started. So yep. have you on, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Well, it's been a, an eventful week and um, a pretty good podcast tonight. So um, hopefully the Crows can do the right thing by me and get up on the weekend. Um, I'm sure they will. I'm fully confident. So thanks, Nikki and Waffle, for your time tonight. Thanks, Phoenix. Thanks, Phoenix. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, good luck to the Crows on Saturday. We'll see you next week. Go, Crows. Go, you Crows. And Nikki wants movie. For the podcast. You've been listening to Crowcast, brought to you by Casmar Event Technology for all your live audio and studio recording needs. See you at the footy. Good.